What's good? What's good? Welcome to the Path of Revelation podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets scripture. Listen, I am super, super, super excited. I haven't did a a, a podcast in a minute. It's been a lot going on. It's been so much, so much going on, but it's so good to be dropping a show right now. And I'm excited about today's show because I have a very, very special guest that I'm going to be bringing on uh, here shortly. But I'm super excited because there's been a lot of moving parts um, going on, as many of you or some of you may know, um, I recently, I want to say about three weeks ago or even a month ago, I don't know, I had my official pastoral ordination. And so we've had two official public gatherings since my order pastoral ordination. Um, and the name of the church is Path of Revelation Church. Um, And so I'm excited about what God is doing. Um, And just to kind of fill you guys in, um, some of you may know who are closer to me that prior to the ordination, we had been meeting and gathering consistently uh, for a year. Um, Me and my core group um, of of individuals and leaders, uh, we we have been praying, fasting, diving into the scriptures for the last year, um, just working on creating an authentic community um, where we love God and love each other. And so I'm excited about what God is doing. Uh, We have some upcoming dates in November. Right now, uh, we're meeting every uh, second and fourth Saturday corporately, men and women and children. Um, But in between um, those meeting dates, we also have every third Sunday, we have men's gatherings at 11 a.m. on Sunday where we we call men. We call it men building men. It's a safe space for men. And our women have also been meeting every other month, every uh, third Saturday of every other month. Um, And so we pray every Thursday. We have a. I'll, I'll share all that information. If you are interested in getting more information, make sure you inbox me uh, your email address. Um, we are collecting emails because I want to keep people posted on what Path of Revelation Church is doing. But I am just ecstatic about what God is doing. It's been a lot of a lot of moving parts. <laughs> um, and just to kind of fill you guys in, um, I always felt like God was um would eventually call me to pastor. Um, I had the privilege of serving at my old church as youth pastor for about eight, nine years. And I always knew that God would call me to pastor, but I'm going to keep it real. I wasn't trying to start a church anytime soon, Um, but our timing is not God's timing. And this last year has been nothing short of amazing. Um, I've literally seen the handiwork of God and and God's hand of protection and provision and favor. And so I just want to give a shout out to my pastor, Pastor Marvin M. Miles at the International Gospel Center uh, for an amazing ordination and all the elders at the church. I also want to shout out Soma. Soma is an amazing uh, church planning organization that has been helping um, 
Path of Revelation Church plant and be efficient and effective in serving um, the body of Christ. Um, and a special shout out to Elder Mike of Soma, Detroit, who has been um, another voice of uh, counsel and guidance and just been an awesome mentor to myself um, during this transitional period for myself and my family. So, yeah, I'm excited. Get tuned, um, get connected with Path of Revelation Church. We have some events coming up. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, I want to make sure that you guys follow our Facebook um, and Instagram pages at Path of Revelation Church. So if you're on Facebook, make sure you follow us. If you're on Instagram, make sure you follow us. Um, you guys that follow me know that I, I usually stay active on social media. Um, so yeah, I'm excited, um, about that. And, um, yeah, we got a great show today. <laughs> we got an amazing show today. Uh, I'm excited about today's show. Um, at the church, we've been really dealing with, um, the topic of Jesus and emotional intelligence and, before I, I hop fully into the topic of Jesus and emotional intelligence, I want to first introduce my guest. This brother is just an awesome man of God. He's a pastor. He's a therapist. Um, and, and I enjoy listening to him teach. You know, he's full of wisdom. And, and, and in today's world, mental health is such a hot topic. Everybody's talking about their mental well-being and their mental stability and, and all of these things. And so for me, it's important as we, you guys know on this show, this is where the culture meets scripture. And so I believe in tackling uh, topics from a biblical perspective, because I believe that the if if God's word and, and, and Christ is not our foundation, then all other foundations are a sinking sand. And so uh, tonight we're going to be getting into an um, important topic, but I want to bring my brother on right now. This is my brother, Pastor Clifford J. Clark, who's also a therapist. What's up, my brother? My man, Gabe. So good to see you, brother. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey man, hey, I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on, man. Um, man. I think this is gonna be a good show. Um, before we hop into the topic, man, I, I just want you to take some time to um tell tell the people a little bit about yourself. How long have you uh been pastoring? How long have you been a therapist? Um, where did you graduate from? I know, I know you have that that go blue pride, man. We got a big game coming up Saturday. Too. We do. We certainly we got to put little brother in check. We got to. It's that time. <laughs> He's been wilding out. <laughs> we got to put him in check. Yeah, it's that time, man. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Um, so um, I started ministry uh, actually October twenty first of this year. I celebrated 21 years of ministry. Wow. Um, so it's been a blessing, man, to serve the Lord that long. To do anything that long is just remarkable for anybody by any standards. Uh, but to serve the Lord, man, has just been a tremendous honor um, in that time span. So um, I have had uh, several pastoral, uh, interim pastoral positions, associate pastoral positions, et cetera. And um, right now 
I am um, in transition and in the preliminary stages of launching, um, of actually planning a church. And so uh, that's exciting, Gabe. You and I, we've talked a lot about that. And yeah, you, I'm like, excited man. for you, bro. Thank you, man. Thank you. So um, <laughs> the name of the church, I haven't mentioned it yet, so it'll, it'll come out soon. You know it, but I haven't, I haven't told anybody else, but it'll come out okay. soon. Okay. Yeah, we're planning to do a soft launch next year, and yes, sir. Uh, there's a lot more to come on that. Uh, but yeah, been in ministry 21 years and um, uh, did my undergraduate work at Point University in Atlanta, Georgia, um, which is a Christian college. And so I, uh, my, I have a bachelor's of science in Christian ministries with some theolo theological studies there as well. And then um, I saw a problem in the church, a big problem, and that was Pastors, we were doing a lot of counseling, man. We did a lot of counseling, but very few of us actually had the skills to do counseling effectively and constructively. So for mm. that reason, I endeavored to return back to school to earn a secular degree and a clinical degree uh, to be ambidextrous in treating both the psychological as well as the spiritual components of people that count that as pastors that we counseled and so i returned back home from atlanta georgia and enrolled at the university of michigan ann arbor where i earned a master of social work uh, with a concentration in interpersonal practice mental health to be ambidextrous as i mentioned and treating both the uh the psychological and the in the spiritual components and so i practice in private practice um, as well as teach and preach from what we call this psycho-Christian intersection. Just a fancy dressed up way to say psychology and Christianity. They have a, a cohesion. They have a, an intersection. They have a blend. I see those two disciplines as complementary and not competitors. When I read scripture, yeah. psychology jumps off the pages of me when I read scripture. And then when I read the um, when I read psychology material, um, I, I just see God all through it. So um, th so those you, you know, you know what I love about that, bro. And yeah. I don't need to cut you off because I want no, you to for keep it. your thought and keep yeah. going. I, I'm married to a therapist too, yeah. so uh -huh. you know I, I live with a therapist. I, I understand the minds of a therapist, and one of the things that I know what I love about what you said is you believe that they complement each other. Um, because one of the one of the um, themes I feel like uh, or narratives, I, I'll say, I, I as I look out into the world and social media and the world is I see more and more people gravitating to to therapy and even more and more Christians. Yeah. Which I think therapy is can be great. I think a lot of people need therapy. I think a lot of people need counseling. Um, I think there's safety and the multitude of counsel and all of those things. But what I like about what you said is sometimes it seems a, a tendency where some Christians who gravitate to therapy, they do it under the narrative as if the Bible isn't enough yeah. or, or our faith isn't enough. So it's almost like, OK, I've tried church. I've tried God, but, and God didn't fully do it for me. So now I have to try therapy. And, and I think when that type of mentality is taken, it's like the two are at opposition in a sense, but I like what you said, because, you know, 
one of the things that my wife always says when she comes home and she talks about um, her, her laboring with people is how much um, she realizes the Bible um, gives us direction and and speaks to the emotional issues and that that we most of society struggles with today. So I really love that. But go ahead, bro. Oh yeah, no, that's that's it, man. You're you're hitting the nail on the head already. It is. Um, so just to finish the thought, um, I just see that the fields, those disciplines as complementary, a yin and a yang, uh, they are harmonious. Um, the scripture is clear, man, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And if we believe that, if that's true, and you and I both know it is, then anything in this world that's created cannot work against God. Mm. It can't work against God because it's his creation. The only thing that can work against God is human beings because we have free will. But psychology right, right. as a field is not a free, it's it's not, it doesn't have free will. It's a science. It's a study. It's it's research. And so research is the exploration and experimentation to discover truth. Truth and laws. And truth and laws both belong to God. So psychology right, right. based on its best day only helps us <laughs> understand God. It does not compete with God. It is not in competition with God, nor is God wow. with anything. So I just wanted to kind of complete that. And so that's the approach that I bring to the table in both the scriptures and in, in, psycholo in psychology. And so you're, you said it right. People in this day and age have gotten to a place where they have been disappointed in their faith because maybe they prayed mm. for something. God didn't give them what they wanted when they wanted it. And so because understanding God is not intuitive, you have to be spiritual to understand and to and to to get God. And then, of course, God has to be revealed to us. We cannot break. Right. You yes, know, sir. engineer your understanding. God has to choose to reveal himself. I think in the throes of that frustration, people go to therapy and running to something that is more tangible that they can actually see immediate instant gratification with in terms of science. Science is something that we don't have to pray about. You just have to open your eyes, your natural eyes, and to observe and be able to recognize, you know, laws and, and, and truths and that kind of thing at a superficial level. Spirituality is much more sophisticated and it's not a slot machine. You don't put in a quarter in, in the prayer machine and get out everything that you want. So I think mm. what they have done is they've taken their disappointments from wow. church, from from spirituality and they run to therapy and to try to maybe replace god when at the end of the day scripture talks about it in romans 1 that we have worshipped the creation instead of the creator mm. and, and i think that's where we get it wrong but when we have it in perspective when we put it in the right place then we use psychology we use science to help us understand ourselves, understand God better, and then to submit ourselves to patiently awaiting God's revelation until he does it, because that makes him God and us, his children. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, bro. Yeah. When, when you talk about people being disappointed, how much of this, and, and, I, and I don't, when I ask this question, I don't want to paint with a broad brush. Mm-hmm. But how much of this do you think is p 
people being disappointed and running away from the church, how much of that is because of the expectations that were set by leadership in the form of teachings, sermons, and doctrines? Um, is some of that people sitting under teachings or leadership that gives them a false expectation of God? Um, or is it a combination of people receiving scripture, but just not having the patience and understanding that God actually has a will um, and we can't make him bend his will to fit our will? Or is it just a combination of the two, you know? Yeah, man. Thanks for that's a that's a loaded question, man. You you start. You want me to start my dissertation tonight? <laughs> hey, hey, let's let's go, man. This this will. <laughs> yeah, man. We ain't never scared. No, I'm. Just... Come on, let's get it, man. No, here's, here's here's what I think, and and I'm gonna ask you to help me um, answer this because I'm sure I'll need your help, and that is, we'll start with church has always had in the Word of God. Church in the word of God and us as ministers of the word has always had the responsibility of intersecting with culture. And I'm going somewhere with that. That is, we there's this blend of church with ancient culture that when you're growing up in church, it's hard to distinguish one from the other. For instance, mm. For instance, um, I grew up in the Baptist church. So Baptist, as they say, Baptist bread, Baptist dead, right? So, <laughs> so I grew up in the Baptist church and in the Baptist culture, they hooped and hollered. They, ah, God so loved the world. Ah, you could. And if you didn't do that, you weren't preaching. Uh. Um, and also it was the shouting, the huck and buck, grabbing the back of the pew. You know, yep. and and shouting and going crazy and hitting your head on some a wooden pew and knocking yourself out. And if you didn't do that, <laughs> if you didn't do that, you ain't had a Holy Ghost. You ain't got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> okay, so what we got is we got this Holy Ghost and shouting, which is this intersection of Bible and culture. We got this mm. hooping and hollering, which is an intersection of style, but they're hooping and hollering the Word of God, preaching. So now with these intersections, it makes it hard to distinguish what's what. And so as people, for instance, get older, they see, they, they, they get a taste of what they like and don't like. So now people will say, who are tired of the Baptist church or tired of the black church culture, if I don't like hooping and hollering, I won't go to church because mm. that, don't, that don't get to me. That don't, that don't do it for me. I don't know what he's talking about anyway. And so the culture has eclipsed in that person's experience the word of God. Right. Or, and I think, yeah, you know what, you know, I, I think that that's very, that can be very problematic too. Um, because a lot with that type of mentality, we go to church mm -hmm. for us. And when really we're supposed to be going to church for God and right. his people. Mm hmm like we go to church to be served for God to serve us right and not to serve God and serve other people and that's very 
that could be very, very problematic because yeah. now we go to worship God, not to be worshiped. Right. And so I think it's very dangerous, like when we take that approach to church, because really we're making church about us and not about God, you yeah. know. And I and I understand that there are certain cultural aspects to church and um God can communicate through culture, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's one of the ways God's glory is displayed through nature and ethnic culture and culture and, and yeah. different expressions of worship. But I think going back to your point, um, worshiping creation above the creator, I think that's a form of that mm -hmm. where we can actually worship culture and our idea of God yeah. more than God. Yeah. The God of scripture. And so, but yeah, go ahead, bro. No, man, you, you're nailing it. And, and I think this is where our problem lies is that when our culture is louder than Christian education, mm. then, then we lose people through their, to their disappointments when the culture doesn't fit their taste, their palate. Mm. So I, I was talking to someone recently and they were telling me that when they were younger, that their mother and father beat them over the head with the Bible and just told them that all of what they could not do. Right. You can't drink. You can't smoke. You can't go to parties. You can't watch rated R movies. You can't, you can't, you can't. And so now the, the, you know, people are, their 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 experience with God is this this totalitarian this 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 oppressive monarch that rules with an iron fist that just tells me what I can't do mm. because their parents are intersecting their denominational culture. This is what we do as a denomination, and and some of it may be some of it may be holiness, no problem. But right. when, again, it's not distinguished when it's not the distinction is not made. Right. The person who is under that kind of teaching only sees the oppression of the culture and they oh, are not God. introduced to the God that gives you something protective, you know, uh, yeah. fleeing fornication, for instance, or uh, Bible says that wine is a mocker. This is stuff that, yes, it's a prohibition, uh, particularly for fornication, for example. Is a prohibition, but we never talk about the why does God say that? Why? Why is God giving it? Why am I not able to, yeah. to do these things? Why is it ill-advised? And so we grew up in a culture where, mom, can I go outside? No. Why not? Because I said so. I said so. <laughs> okay. And so we were we were oppressed in our thinking and our emotions. We were not allowed to get intelligence and reasoning on why things were what they were and mm. so that builds this frustration that builds this disdain and now what is the expense it's at the cost of introducing people to christ authentically and the yeah. word of god mm. that they actually need we sabotage Come on, man. message and because of the eclipsing of culture and that puts us at a peril oh my god now, we've got to redeem people back to jesus church. They got we gotta go get them off the club and bring them back to church because we gotta say we gotta say we not like that. We not we, that kind of Christian. We not that kind of Christian. 
Um, but you know yeah. what, bro? What you are saying is is so on point, man. Yeah. Because the the Bible even says, "In all thy getting, get an understanding." Yeah. Right. Yeah. But what happens when leadership or those who you are under tell you to do without giving understanding man oh my god okay that one of the thing one of the things that i've learned bro yeah. the enemy the devil <laughs> the bible says he's he he he's walks to and fro yeah seeking whom he may devour and one of the things that I, I I know the enemy will always do, he always has a counterfeit to the real thing. Huh. When people are oppressed by tradition or not giving up, not given understanding, even concerning things that are biblical, it creates a culture of bondage in a sense. And the enemy is always there to give people a false sense of freedom. Yeah. Or man, you preach it. You preach he'll it. get he'll give you a false sense of freedom. And 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 I, I've seen it so many times. You know, people have lost a disdain for church. Yeah. Lost a disdain for uh gathering with the people of God because of their personal experiences. And let me ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. And I want to tiptoe through here. I'm going to put it on the screen. All right. How has the, what, first and foremost, what is emotional intelligence? Let's look at the word. And I want you to break it down. I put the definition on the screen. Emotional intelligence is the capacity to be aware, control, and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously. That means with good sense. Yeah. And emphatic, emphatically. Could yeah. you put emotional intelligence for us, uh, Pastor Cliff, in simple terminology? What for somebody who might be like, man, that's a lot of big words. What is emotional intelligence in, in layman's terms and simple terms? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Those are a lot of big words for me, uh, Pastor. You're working me hard tonight. No, uh, no emotional intelligence. Uh, well, let's start with the origin of it. So it was first used academically by two psychologists um, in in the year of 1990 uh, in an academic journal. Uh, two psychologists, one by the name of Peter Solovey, who is actually the Yale University's president today, um, and uh, John Mayer again in the 90s, and they defined it as the ability to monitor one one's own and others' emotions. It's monitoring. And to mm. discriminate among them and to use this information that you get from that distinction, that discrimination, that monitoring, to use that information to guide your thinking and your actions, your actions and your behaviors. All right? So that's, the, the, that's a, a, a layman's terms definition of the understanding of emotional intelligence. It's essentially, can you be aware of what other people are feeling, how you're making them feel, how something else has made them feel? Are you aware of your own feelings? Mm. How, so, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So basically, 
the ability to handle our and uh, our emotions and uh, and the emotions of others or perceive the emotions of others in a healthy manner. That's exactly right. It's it's the it's the awareness. It's can you <laughs> see me when I'm hurting? And when I'm hurting, can you respond to that appropriately, adequately? Or do you trample over me and add insult to injury? Now, listen, I hope you guys are, are getting this because, Pastor Cliff, we about to go deep now. We, Pastor Cliff, we about to hop off the cliff. <laughs> Here first, let's go. But put, but put, put on your, put on your uh, parachute. I got it. cord, whatever. Okay. My scarf tie. So, here we go. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> First question, man. Um, in light of the the church conversation, yeah. How has the emotional intelligence of the church of yesterday had an effect on the climate of the church today? Oh man! Like, this, yeah. Go ahead. How has, and this is not me calling out a particular leader. When I say the the the, the um, church of yesterday, um, I, I'm sure you can identify Cliff, Pastor Cliff. You've been in church your entire most of your life. You've served over 21 years. I've been around church, not just my the church I came out of, but I've been ingrained in church culture my entire life. And so when I ask this question, how has the emotional intelligence of the church of yesterday had an effect on the climate of the church today? I, I, I don't want, what are the positives and the negatives? Like, and I believe in giving honor where honor is due and saying, Hey, this was great. But I'm also, I also believe in pointing out areas of opportunity so we don't repeat history mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely and going back back to that word that you use judiciously uh to describe emotional intelligence and the the application thereof um i think it would be judicious of us to look at both the positives and the negatives uh anything yes, that sir. is just negative um, or just positive is going to be a false balance and scripture is clear a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Yes, he sir. Writes in balance and looking at both sides of the matter. So I think if we are going to do this any justice, we got to look at both sides. Yes, uh, sir. Number one, I want to start with the 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 positives, the things that that the that the that the old the church of old has helped us with. And I think you and myself, as people who've been in church our whole lives, can be effective spokespersons or spokespeople when it comes to some of the the values that the old church has has installed in us um one of those things i believe is loyalty to the pastor to your church family uh the ability to have staying power and to stay rooted in a church not regardless of what kind of abuse you might be undergoing but right, right. just as an or an I, it, it's a concept of order and submission. Yes, sir. We learned order and submission when we were coming up. Yes, submission yes, sir. has become so unpopular in today's <laughs> church. And oh my gosh, society. And if I can be honest and frank with you, I believe it is the the very essence of the decay 
of a lot of character, a lot My of God. quality relationships. Uh, this is one of the reasons why the divorce rate is so high is because not only are women not submitting to their husbands as God has instructed them, but uh, men have not submitted themselves to God. Come on now. As he has instructed them. And, uh, us. and so I think that is a problem. Um, so so it, it is it's submission is loyalty to a mission. Sub is a compound word. Sub means under, and then mission means a somebody's mission, or what is the assignment? What's the objective? What are we doing? It's to come under someone else's mission. Yes. And to be loyal to that despite how you feel about it. But mm -hmm. because you have committed yourself in a word, you've made a vow, you've made a you made an oath, and you won't take it back because you made that oath in sobriety of mind. Waiting. And, so, and so I think that is something that we learned from the old church is submission was submission was important. Submission was valuable. Submission, I believe, is an emotional intelligence article. It is yeah. a metric, no question about it. Um, we learned to respect and 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 order how to how to navigate appropriately, how not to speak out of turn. You could just run up and grab the mic in in, in my church. You'll be embarrassed. You'll get embarrassed in front of your mama, your daddy, <laughs> the girl that you like on the front pew, all of that. Um, <laughs> my pastor would hang you high and stretch you wide. If you were on the mic too long at a funeral from your own family member, if he said two minutes, that's it. Sit on down. It's over. You'll see him in glory. It's your time. So we love. You'll see him in glory. You'll see him on the other side. But baby, that two minutes is over. All right. So we learn. We learn. Now in this entitled day and age. Man, that stuff is out the window. We are, we, everybody got a voice. Everybody got a social media handle. Everybody got a keyboard. So now you got 10-year-olds on social media talking to 60-year-olds and they arguing like they colleagues. Yeah. These things ought not be. So man, anyway. You talking, man. <laughs> yeah. So so the point <laughs> is, that's these are some of the, the things that we, I think, were emotionally intelligent components that were valuable that helped us to maintain good integrity. We were we came up where you couldn't just wake up and feel like you you wanted to be a pastor and go start you a church and get you an online degree. You couldn't do that back in our day. Man. They, they didn't even call they called my sermon. When I preached my first sermon 21 years ago, you know what the pastor called it? What? My pastor called it a trial sermon. <laughs> which means you go here and preach and we're going to see how this goes. You might not get another chance. You might not get another chance. <laughs> you on trial. We're going to examine you to see what the end's going to be. We're going to figure this out. We ain't, we ain't giving you no license. We're going to see how this goes. We're going to see how this thing goes. We, we don't want to put our stamp of approval on it. Just We're anything. not endorsing you. We ain't laying hands on no man suddenly. We ain't putting you up. <laughs> so <laughs> we put you on trial. Bro, I'm in tears, right, bro. So that was, that was the, that's what, but that was good for us, man. That was straight good. up. Yeah, and that's, that's from embarrassment. You're not getting up here <sighs> embarrassing yourself, putting your, your title on stuff and going around talking about you a preacher and pastor. But now 
you got apostles, people that call themselves apostles and bishops at 15 years old. Bro. So so anyway, I'm off I'm off my uh I'm off my rock. <laughs> but so that we got some good stuff from the church of old. So I wanted to honor just our, our forefathers for what they put in us. They put some yes, good, sir. wholesome teaching in us. We knew how to stay when it was hard. Yeah. Now, I think one of the opportunity areas is one of the ways that the church of old hurt us is I think our leaders did more teaching of the laws of God. We talked about that old culture of yeah. do it because I said do it without yeah. any reasoning of why. I think we got a lot of that preaching and teaching over the pulpit and we did not get enough of, okay, why? I, here's how I'm feeling about my, my, my desire. Okay, we see the scripture says, you know, honor my my mother and father that that my days may be long but my but what do i do when my mother and my father are oppressing me emotionally and they won't listen to me mm, it's almost like I, a slave it's almost like a slave yeah. like tight you know just shut up and do as i say do you know what i'm saying and i'm not I, sometimes I, I i wonder how much of that is from culturally what we experienced as black people and it's been passed down yep. you know mm. you know just do as i say you yeah. know type you know suck it up yeah you know what i'm saying yeah um bottle it up if you show too much emotions um you're you're not in faith you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah um that type of stuff but yeah yeah, that's tough, man. And I think that is that put us in a position to where our parents, our spiritual leaders, they ignored our emotions. And when you ignore an emotion of a child, what you do is you teach them that their emotions don't matter. Mm. You teach them that what they feel is invalid. You teach them that because of your age, you have a supremacy over them and you are a superior human being. And now I'm inept, I'm inferior, I'm inadequate. And you are the big kahuna. You're the H-N-I-C. And what I feel does not matter because I don't pay bills in this house. Never mind the fact I didn't even ask to be here. I didn't even ask to be here. But because I am here, I'm bills I don't pay, how much I'm not in charge. And you put that in my face as if you're doing me a favor by taking care of your own child that you decided to have. So, so I think, wow, this is what happened. This was a part of our culture. This was oppressive. And this, this, what it causes, Pastor Gabe, is it causes us to bury our emotions, bury our thoughts. And to now what happens to the heart is it creates a decay of emotional intelligence, affection, and it breeds, and the trade-off there is resentment. And now mm -hmm. there's this mass exodus. Exodus, yep. There it is. Through resentment, because you told me for so long that I couldn't, you didn't tell me why, when I was over the youth department, why we couldn't have a, a, a party um, at, you know, past eight o'clock. You didn't tell me why. You just told me we couldn't do it and that the church here we don't do that here. 
And so to do that, we suffocate the people that are, are, are beneath us. It is, yes, sir, Pastor Gabe, you hit the nail on the head. It is a reiteration of slavery that we learned historically. And we superimpose that on the hearts and minds of people who are under us and under our authority. And the authority becomes cumbersome. It becomes grievous, as the scripture, grievous to bear. Can't bear it, it's too heavy. So the moment that I get a chance to get out from under your thumb, baby, I'm gone and you can forget me ever coming back. I yeah. These are some of the mistakes that they've made. I'm, I'm, I'm Django. Yeah. <laughs> Unchained. <laughs> you, you know, you know what, bro? Yeah. Um, uh, my sister, Anitra. What's up, Anitra? What's up, Toya? I see y'all in the chat. Anitra said, I was told that daily and then I have a 15-year-old daughter that says, hey, you're the only one who had me. Thank God I allowed her to speak and be heard. Praise God, Praise Anitra, God. for that. You you, you know what, bro? Um, this, this is so important, you know, as we even look from scripture. One of the stories we've been talking about at church is the story of of uh Lazarus mm -hmm. um and 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 when you guys have time please read the story of Lazarus and it's in John chapter 11 mm -hmm. but what's so in, like I always look at Jesus um Jesus had the highest <coughs> emotional intelligence yes he did and as we're talking about Jesus and emotional intelligence, it's so important that we interject Christ because number one, he is our source. He is our foundation. But Jesus was so amazing about the gospel is that Jesus is not just 100 percent God, but he's 100 percent man. Right. Yeah. Um, he didn't just die for us. <coughs> But he lived for us. He he lived the per and when I say live for us, not in a sense of living to worship us, no, but he lived the perfect life that we could not live, so that he can become the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And so by choice, God in the person of Jesus uh limited some of his power so he could experience the human experience and and so we see jesus 100 percent god and 100 percent man the hypostatic union um being tempted as we are tempted yet without sin i'm reminded of um hebrews, hebrews chapter four. four yeah verse 15 through 16 four said referring to christ for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, come on, in yeah. every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now here's here it is. This is all emotional intelligence. Let us then with confidence yeah. draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So yeah. what that means to me is we can take all our frustrations. Yeah. We can take all of our bitterness. We can take all of our hurt. We can take 
everything to Jesus, knowing that he understands and that we could find grace and help in the time of need. But we, we've been talking about the story of um, so many examples of Jesus with emotional intelligence. But one of the stories we've been talking about is the story of Lazarus, right? Yeah. Where we see um, when when Jesus first receives word that Lazarus, before he died, he receives word that Lazarus is sick. And and what Jesus does is he instead of getting up immediately and going to Lazarus, he stays where he's at two more days. Yeah. Right. Then when he gets word that Lazarus is dead, he still doesn't come right away. The Bible says that he went somewhere else. <laughs> he didn't even go to Lazarus right away. But. We see um, Jesus purposely setting it up for the glory of God to be revealed. Sometimes God will allow us to go through things to show us who he is and that he's all powerful regardless of our circumstances. But what, what stood out to me, Pastor Cliff, in regards to emotional intelligence was when Jesus finally arrived on the scene, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Jesus purposely waited. I believe that Jesus purposely waited to the fourth day. So Lazarus had been dead four days. Yeah. And for anybody who cares about history, um, in old Jewish cultures or customs, they believe that resurrection was possible up to like three days. It's still a possibility. So yeah. Jesus purposely waits to the fourth day. Yeah. And we see the frustration in Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, who happen to be the first people to proclaim that he's risen. Mm -hmm. Side note. But we see their frustration and they're like, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Mm -hmm. And they're clearly frustrated and angry and hurt. And the people around them are mourning and, and are hurting. And even in their hurt, they said, but hey, but we know that whatsoever you ask, God will do it for you. But we're mad right now. Mm -hmm. You know what Jesus didn't do, Pastor Cliff? What didn't he do, Pastor? He didn't He didn't respond and say, suck it up. Yeah. Be, who do you think you are? Yeah. I, I'm your father. Stop crying before I give you something to cry about. Stop crying. Before I give you something to cry. <laughs> Come on. He didn't do he didn't do that. Yeah. You know what Jesus did? Even though he was about to perform a resurrection. Mm. The Bible says that Jesus was troubled in his spirit when he saw how hurt they were. Mm. The Bible says he was hurt in his spirit. Mm -hmm. John 11 35. Jesus wept. Beautiful. Beautiful. Emotional intelligence. Yes, sir. For we do not have a high priest. Come on. I feel yes, the Holy sir. Ghost. Yes, sir. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. Yeah. He's about to say, Lazarus, come forth. Mm -hmm. Lazarus is not about to stay dead, uh -huh. but he had enough emotional intelligence uh -huh. to feel the hurt. 
of the people around him, even before he performed the miracle. He didn't say, stop crying. What y'all crying for? I'm about to call Lazarus for. He let them feel. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think that we, we don't, because we haven't, we perish because of a lack of knowledge in this area, right? Yep. Because we haven't been taught how to demonstrate emotional intelligence from a biblical perspective, we we don't allow people room to be weak and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And when we do allow them to be weak and vulnerable, it's not that long because it makes us feel uncomfortable. Hey, I just laid hands on you. I just slapped oil on you. You should be good. Yeah. But sometimes people need time to navigate through their emotions and where they are. Mm -hmm. Even when, come on, man, even when Adam first sinned, Mm -hmm. the Bible says they ran and hid themselves, right? God said, Adam, where are you? Mm-hmm. And he said, I hid myself and I, I see that I'm naked. The first one of the first things God did was allowed Adam to locate himself. Mm-hmm. Why did you hide? Adam responds, because I was scared. Y'all catch that? Because I was scared. And and. Here's what's awesome about the Lord. God will allow us to locate ourselves, not because he doesn't know where we are, but because he needs us to know where we are so we can give it to him. How can I confess my weaknesses if you not if you don't allow me to be weak? Yeah. How can I get the the healing I need? If you don't allow me to fully locate the sickness and what's going on on the inside of me. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. Will you allow me to be weak enough to get to grace? Even when it makes you feel uncomfortable. See, what I think happens sometimes... Pastor Cliff, is when people come to us with their junk or in their times of trauma and hurting or whatever, frustrations, it can make us feel uncomfortable because we become codependent. Yeah. We feel responsible for fixing people. And because we really don't even have the answers to our own mess, it's it's almost like, hey, we, we shotgun scriptures to people. Mm-hmm. Or we weaponize scriptures to yeah. people. Yeah. And it's not that scripture isn't the answer. Mm-hmm. It's that we use scripture as a way to say, hey, get over it. Mm-hmm. When yeah. you're hurting, you when you're hurting, oh man, you're more than a conqueror, man. Come on, man. You're, come on, get over it. It's our way. You're more than a conqueror. And that is true, right? Mm-hmm. You're greater as he that's in you than he is in the world. That's true. True yeah. statements, right? Right. But often the context that we put these things are in is really coming from a spirit in a place of get over it. Correct. That's man. Oh my goodness. 
brother, you nailing that, man. It's so, if I could jump in here and speak to that. Yes, sir. These, these particular types of Christians, in my opinion, are among the worst kind. Mm. And that is people who are so affixed, who idolize the word of God. Mm. All right, now let me be careful with that. What I mean by that. I know what you mean. Okay. Yes, sir. What I mean by that is the Bible is this golden throne of like these one-liners, these these thoughts that you use out of context. Mm. Don't and because it's the word of God, it becomes your trump card. Mm. And you use the Bible to trump people's experiences, trump their ex their, their situations, and it becomes an insensitivity to Come what on, they're yeah. in. My I God. talked about is Jesus took the time to recognize the crisis of losing a brother. Yeah. Even though he got resurrection power in his hand, told Martha, forget seeing him in the resurrection. I am the resurrection. <laughs> You're looking at him. <laughs> Sitting on that trump card, he still takes the time to weep, as the scripture says in Romans 15, to rejoice with those that rejoice and to mourn, mourn with them. With them. Mourn. Come on now. When somebody says, ah, ah, I got a cold, the worst thing that you can do is say, you're healed in Jesus' name. Uh, don't confess that. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? <laughs> go get some Go get some cough syrup. Get me some you cough syrup. You, you might need to get tested. I may need, because COVID is out here going crazy. Okay? So, so, so... <laughs> Before you before you quote, I'm more than a conqueror. Why don't you help me with what I mean? Yes, sir. That's what emotional intelligence is. It is empathy. Empathy. And that's empathy it. is a word that is often confused with sympathy. And I, I feel the need, Pastor, to draw the distinction there. I think it's really yes, important. sir. Go ahead. Teach and us. And that is sympathy is when we feel bad for people. Mm. When we feel an emotion of compassion on a person my deepest sympathies yes. which are appropriate and they have their place but empathy is when you take it to the next level and you begin to internalize and take the time to think about how they must feel and why they feel what they feel and how would you feel if you were in that situation how would you imagine yourself walking a model in their shoes and dealing yes. with what they deal with man this is powerful yes That's sir if that's emotional intelligence is to be able to be aware enough to say i got a pulse on what you're feeling you just lost your son oh my god yeah if i lost my son i'd lose my mind yeah what are you thinking you're probably feeling hopeless you're yeah. probably feeling like man do i think can i have another one is it too late even if i have another one he's no replacement for the one i just lost and and, and so, so it's imagining what that person is experiencing and wow. feeling being impacted by the gravity of the moment. My That's God. what brought Jesus to tears. Wow. He didn't mm. just say, okay, cry on cue, three, two, one, cry. My God. No. Wow. He stepped into the experience. Come on and now. Read the loss of not only their brother, but his friend. You, you know what was so powerful? That's love. Yeah. 
because he didn't have to do that. Yeah. He's God. He didn't have to do that, but that's love. Uh, my sister VC said that reminds me of first Corinthians 13. You can know the Bible forwards and backwards, but if you don't have love, what use is it? What? And I, I think like we see that in Jesus, what kind of love, like he didn't have to do this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's love, man. And, and, my and let, me God. Take, let me take it a step further. It's again, when you use that stuff out of context, not only do you not help me, but you add insult to injury. You are becoming a burden in my own crisis. When I actually need help, you become an additional weight and an irritant. Mm -mm -mm. And so now you are in the interest of trying to help me. Your heart's in the right place, but your mind is not intersecting with your heart. So now you've got good intentions, but the wrong impact. Man. And the difference, have you ever had good intentions and ended up with the wrong results? Yes, sir. Ever tried to do something? You got a good yes, heart, sir. but you ended up, tried to bake a casserole and end up burning up the whole pot? <laughs> Tried to surprise your wife and ended up scaring the crap out of her. Yeah. Okay. Trying to help a person and end up hurting the person. Pastor Gabe, I found out this truth, man, and it changed my life forever. The difference between having good intentions and getting bad results versus having good intentions and good intentions and getting the results that you want, the optimal results, is wisdom. Yes, sir. It's wisdom. Come on now. It is, scripture says in, in uh, Ecclesiastes 8, that a wise man's heart discerns both timing and judgment. Come on, man. That if you're going to be wise of heart, and now wisdom is a heart issue. Yes, now sir. Now wisdom is not just your mind. It's a heart issue. What is really in your heart? Are you trying to be right with what you correct, course correct? Or are Come you on. trying to help me? Because if you're trying to help me, you you'll get in bed with me in it. In it. Yes, sir. Scripture says that wisdom is the wise man's heart discerns both timing and judgment, both, which means that if I'm going to be wise, I got to consider, is this the right time to do this? And the judgment is, is this the right procedure approach to do so it? rich, man. It's timing and judgment. Therefore, yes, you can have the right time, but if you got the wrong judgment, you'll still end up with the wrong results. Yeah. You tried to help me at the right time, but your approach was off. Yep. You tried to help you with the right approach, but your timing was off. So if you don't have the formula of timing plus judgment, then you will never get the the equal of wisdom. Come on, man. And, and that's and that's what I that's emotional <clears throat> intelligence. It is searching a person to see is this the right time to talk to them about this? Yep. Is this what what is my way of approaching them? How's my tone? You yeah. just came in after a long day of work. It's probably a bad idea if I'm your wife to bring up. How much I can't stand the fact that you left the dishes in the in the sink. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. hit that over the head when I'm just getting in the door, baby. I'm sorry, you're not gonna get the best version of me. You're probably gonna get a clap back because <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> but well, how about feed me, take care of my needs, minister to my natural needs, get me relaxed, and then say, baby, I got something to talk to you about. Is it you would you like to talk about it now or can I do I bring it to you tomorrow? Yeah. And search the timing and the approach, soften your tone, ask the time, and that will give you wisdom that gives you that gives you the formula of wisdom to get you the most optimal results, the best chance for you to hear me that I have an issue with you leaving the dishes in the sink. And I want to know, 
can you help me around the house a little bit more? And how can we prevent that from happening next time? Top yeah. wisdom. So anyway, all this is emotional intelligence. All yeah, yeah. Intelligence. See, 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 what you're talking about is another level. Yeah. It's it's the manifold wisdom of God. And and what the manifold wisdom of God does, it doesn't just shotgun scriptures. It 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 the wisdom of God teaches you to study to be quiet. Yes, sir. And one of the things that I've learned about studying to be quiet, one of the reasons why it's important to study to be quiet, so you can actually be led by the Spirit. Yeah. The the Holy Spirit is the, he leads and guides us into all truth. Mm -hmm. You can approach a situation with two different people. You can try to approach a situation with two different people that are in similar situations the same way and get two different results. 100%. Because they're not the same. And what's going on in the inside of them is not the same, even though their situation may look the same. Like I'm even thinking about how Jesus approached the woman at, at, at the well and approached Mary Magdalene, who was the sister of Lazarus, when she was about to be stoned. These were two women caught in adultery. But Jesus approached to them was different right he 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 ended with truth he ended with he dealt with their sin but he did not approach them the same mary was about to be stoned by the pharisees and he says let he who, who be without sin cast the first stone and those jokers dipped right yeah he 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 met her emotional needs in that moment and and became an advocate for her yeah. but he of course ended with after he demonstrated compassion and stuck up for her, he still ended with sin no more. Whereas the woman at the well who was sleeping around, she had a religious spirit. Yeah. And instead, like, she was like, we worship, you know, she went religious with, uh, with Jesus and Jesus was like, hold up, <laughs> you you you've been with five people and the person you with right now is not your husband. Like right. he, he dealt with, he broke her down to, and to, to break down that religious wall. And then he ministered to her. And so being able to discern and, and not feel like you always have to say the right thing. That's something that I'm learning. Yeah. Um, with, I, I learned to, to be able to empathize with people when they bring me terrible news and, and, and say, you know what? That is jacked up. Yeah. Man, that's, I, my, I'm praying for you. My heart goes out to you. I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. What do yeah. you need right now? Whatever you need right now, I'm here for you. Yeah, man. Before, instead of just jumping straight into, oh, God, it's gonna. Right. <laughs> no weapon form. Right. We know, like. And a lot of times people know these things. Not everybody knows them, but a lot of people know these things. Mm -hmm. But can you can you show empathy? Yeah. Can yeah. you stick with me in the midst of my hurt and mess? Yeah. And and really, what I've learned, Pastor Cliff, is when when you do that with people, it actually opens their hearts up to receive the word. Yeah. Because now you're demonstrating love. Mm -hmm. Now That's you're it. demonstrating patience. Now you're demonstrating 
long suffering. Uh oh, those sound familiar. Those sound like the fruit of the spirit. Oh, they are the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now through your actions, the spirit is softening the person's heart. So now they when the word is when it's time to bring the word there now. Now I can receive it because I saw the word in your actions before you even said something. Oh, you preaching, man. You preaching, man. That's and that's so it's so on par with what Jesus teaches in the ter in terms of the uh, the parable of the sower. Come on. He says a sower came to sow some seed. He sprinkled seed. Some seed fell on stony ground. Some seed fell on ground that had, you know, a low earth. It didn't have, it wasn't really malleable, wasn't soft. Some, the, some seed fell on thorns and thistles, et cetera, et cetera. The seed that fell on stony ground, birds came and ate those seeds up. They never took root. Mm. And so the ground represents the texture of the heart of the person that the word comes to. In other words, what condition is your heart in? And so emotionally intelligent people discern that and say, you know what? I'm not going to sow seed in this person. I'm not going to give them the word right now because they don't, if they're, if they're stony ground, then they're not going to receive it. Come on, man. So now, what must a person, what must a farmer, an intelligent farmer do if he has an objective of sowing seed someday in ground that is not actually malleable? Mm. He must break up the follow ground first. My God. And what breaks up the follow ground other than love? <laughs> by this shall all men know that you are my disciples by how you show love one to the other. Come in this with loving kindness have I drawn. Drawn thee. You got to draw people out of a stony heart. And you do that with feeling what they feel. And yeah. when so when your children are crying, for example, because you put them on punishment, I'm wondering what would it be like to actually stand next to Johnny in the corner while he's in timeout and say, huh, son, I know it's hard over here. Wow. I know it's hard. The same person that's given the chastisement can be the same person that comforts. Mm -mm -mm. Because that's what God is. He is both the, the executor of law and order in our lives. And Come he on now. comforts you with the Holy Spirit. He is both. Come on, man. And so while he's chastising so us, while he's doing something to break up the following ground in our lives, he is not so much of God, the father, the punisher. He is not that at all. He is not that. So much so that he cannot be sensitive to what we're feeling and know, man, even though this child is crying, the child of mine is crying because I'm adjudicating them, I'm ex executing justice, I'm still going to be a comforter and wipe the tears that they got. Man, what so a what God. Like when our children are on punishment, that we don't just leave in the room, in the room, but we go and maybe we sit down with them sometimes in the room and spend a little time with them in the punishment. Not rescue them from the punishment, but sit yeah. in with them. Yeah. And, and 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 I'm wondering what kind of experience, what kind of culture do we engender in our children in terms of emotional intelligence? What kind of children would we have if we just got in bed with the issues that they experience? Come on, man. What kind of people, what kind of ground? Now, 
People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Now on, you man. the word in my heart, and I can I can receive the word because you were shooting with me in the gym when I was Jesus. hurting. You were there. I need you to don't don't tell me don't quote no scriptures at me when I'm hurting. You better get in this thing with me and help me out of this mud. And if you can't help me out of it, at least put your toe in there just to understand that man, man it's thick. So yeah, I mean I'm, I'm on one right now, but but no nah, man, I, I love it, man. No, I love this um, because this brings me to um, the last question um, and, and a question that I'm really passionate about because I, I really believe that it is important, especially in this day and time, to create a healthy discipleship, a, dis, a healthy disciple making culture within mm -hmm. our churches and the, the next and last question is what steps are necessary for churches to create environments that pr produce emotional intelligence? And, and really, bro, Cliff, like Pastor Cliff, this this question, even though it's directed towards creating these environments in in church, I think it actually starts at home. So how, what steps are necessary for churches and us? as Christians in our homes to create environments that produce emotional intelligence? Yeah, man, this is a loaded question, man. This is so loaded. You know, I think number one, it goes, as you mentioned, it starts at home. It really starts at home. And scripture is clear that judgment shall begin at the house of God. Mm. And the house of God is not just the church building. The house of God is wherever a Christian calls home. Yes, sir. That's wherever a Christian calls home. Because yeah. the house, judgment begins at the house of God. The house of God is also the temple of God, which is our bodies. Yes, sir. It starts within ourselves first. The home, the house of God. And I think, and that's the new Bethlehem. That's the new, the, the bread house. It is, it is our, it is our bodies. And I think this starts with being introspective ourselves and taking the time to learn what emotional intelligence is, what the metrics of that are, and then to begin to try to exercise that in our interpersonal relationships. There's some mothers that's going to be listening to this who've hurt their daughters with how they raise them. And your daughter's been crying out but you're but you can't hear your daughters cry because you are so self-righteous and how you feel you raised them because you did the best that you could. It's been years since you even considered even reevaluating how you raised them. And so no, knowing how to say sorry and knowing is a form of emotional intelligence. Exactly. And Can you, you apologize to your kids? Can you yeah. apologize to those under you? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's what I'm saying. Can you apologize? If apology, we don't get to apology until we first get to introspection. Bible says, let a man first examine himself. Come on, man. You got to examine yeah. yourself and take a look at you. We love, we got 2020 vision when it comes to looking at what other people have done wrong. But when, <laughs> but when, we, when we're looking at ourselves, we legally blind. 
I'm legally blind. I'm legally blind. I'm legally blind. <laughs> All right. BOP, <laughs> hold me down. <laughs> we, 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 we become Stevie Wonder. We Stevie talk about something I just called. But the problem <laughs> is, the, the, but the problem is we don't take a look at ourselves and you cannot. Jesus is clear in Matthew 7. He says, before you deal with the speck in your brother's eye, take out the beam that's in your own so that you may able to be see, see you, may, you are able to see clearly what's yeah. important. And so I think it is the first step to this question is we got to take a look at ourselves, Pastor Gabe. We got to look at ourselves. Yes, sir. It begins at the house of God. We, what's going to help us create environments that produce emotional intelligence is starting with ourselves. Secondly, once we get, once we come aware ourselves, then we teach our children and we hold them accountable. Not only do we teach our children, we hold them accountable, but we hold our friends accountable. Yeah. People that you run with need to be held to a higher standard of emotional intelligence. And I think if we can affect our spheres of influence at a microcosm level with ourselves, our children, and our associates, those who are connected with us immediately, then I think this will, we can take this efficacy into the church. And now the church is not just a building, yeah. but it is who we are day to day in our lives. If we start this at home within ourselves first, then guess what? We have effectively made change in the church because we are the church. So yeah, wherever we go, whether it's work, whether it's whether it's school, whether it's to the movies, whatever, it doesn't matter, to the mall, grocery store, wherever we go, when we encounter people, we will be able to present to them a reevaluated, hypersensitive awareness, hyper-aware emotional intelligent self. And I think it starts there. Yeah, I love that, man. I love that so much. Uh, what up, Carla? Carla said, I was never able to voice my opinion as a child. I made sure that my children had a voice. They were able to be angry and ask questions. I think that's important. Like all of this stuff is important, man. Um, leading by example. Um, and really what I like, love about what you said is it starts within us. Mm -hmm. This type of thinking, we have to allow our own hearts to be transformed, right? God, what God wants to do through us, he first wants to do in us. Yeah. And so I don't want to be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. Yeah. I don't want to be a preacher of the word and not a doer of the word. And so it's me, oh Lord. Yeah. Me, oh Lord. Standing in the need. Standing in the need of prayer. God, I need you to do this in my heart. And really, bro, you know, as we prepare to close, like you and I, just to give you guys some background, Pastor Cliff and myself, we sat in um, this conference put on by SOMA. Uh, called the Wholehearted Discipleship uh, Conference. And we 
I know for me, I left saying, man, I have to practice this. Mm-hmm. And 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 for me, I when 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 revelation comes and my and my heart is illuminated, I'm like, man, I have to practice, I have to get this thing. Like, because so many times people hear something good and they just want to start preaching to other people before they actually before it actually becomes a part of who they are. And and for me, I'm like, man, how can I be better in my marriage? How can I be better in my parenting? How can I be better in my friendships? How can I be be a better son, a better brother, a a better pastor? All of these things. How can I be have the emotional intelligence of Christ? How can I demonstrate his love? How can I demonstrate patience? And it's been a journey um, of growth and and, and learning of, of him in a way, in a greater capacity and understanding of his love for us, his patience and long suffering. And so tonight, my prayer is that you guys really got something out of this tonight. And I know that you guys did, Um, but I most definitely have to have you on again, Pastor Cliff. We got to do this again. Maybe we need to do a part two or something, man. Um, Anytime. We got to get you in the church too, man, to uh, help with with our conversations, man, because, you know, any way that we can help um, you with your plan and just supporting, man, you know, you already know I got your back, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, 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 and so I'm, I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. Listen, guys, um, I meant to have my slides ready, ready to show and, and share. Um, matter of fact, while I'm on here, um, I might try to share my screen of upcoming dates. I'm just looking on my MacBook while I'm talking to you. I'm trying to stall already. Uh, um, But I'm going to do a share screen for you guys because I want you guys to see our upcoming dates um, um, and what we have going on with Path of Revelation Church. And listen, we would love for you guys to worship with us. Yeah. Um, we, we have some, we have some really, really good, good stuff coming. And so I'm actually just going to blow this up so y'all can see it for our upcoming dates. Um, so right now, like I said, we're, we are gathering every second and fourth Saturday of every month. So November 12th is going to be our next gathering. And when I tell you our our gatherings are basically our church services. Um, when I tell you the gatherings have been crazy, we've been having an awesome time in the Lord. We've been having some awesome teaching and conversations. And the reason why I say conversations is because for anyone who knows me, I like to engage the audience and get feedback and get questions because I want to make sure that people are understanding what is being said and make sure that the word of God is taking root. And I think one of the most effective ways to do that is to allow people to ask questions because it allows us to reflect on what we just heard. So November 12th um, in Ferndale, Michigan, 2950 Hilton Road at seven o'clock PM. Uh, We're going to have refreshments and food. um, And then we're going to worship together and have a great time. Then Friday, November 18th, 
we play basketball every third Friday. The men, we play basketball. Some of the, if ladies, if you, some of y'all want to get y'all ankles bust, y'all can come too. Anybody can get it. Come get faith. Any, anybody can get it in the name of the Lord. But Friday, November 18th, the men um, or women, we're going to be playing basketball at 7.30 p.m. at Crescent Academy in Southfield, Michigan. Here's the address for that. And then Sunday, November 20th is our men's build session or men building men. It's a safe space. We're going to be meeting at Blaze Pizza, and we're going to be discussing men topic t- topics that affect men from a biblical perspective. So mark your calendar for that. And then November 26th is our last gathering of the month of November at 7 p.m. at um, 2950 Hilton Road in Ferndale, Michigan as well. The building is actually Soma Detroit's building where we gather out of. And so make sure you tap in. And then every Thursday we have our prayer call. We pray. We're, we are a praying church. We believe in prayer and the power of prayer and fasting. We pray and fast every Thursday. And um, you can call in with your prayer request at 605-313-4307, extension 2426025, and just share your prayer request or testimony, and we will pray. And so listen, I appreciate you guys uh, for tuning in to this to this episode. I, I'm just full, man. Listen, make sure y'all share this episode with somebody too. Um, if y'all um if y'all have any questions, yeah, VC, you got a visit. Come on, come on, sis, come on to Detroit. Um, if y'all have any questions um or anything, y'all feel free to uh, reach out to me in my inbox or email me at path of revelation now at gmail.com or P-O-R church now. Um, at Gmail and it, or if you want to just give to the ministry, I think I, I probably erased the cash app. Um, yeah, I erased it because y'all know I, I ain't about the, I ain't that money, money hungry, but, but if y'all want to give to the ministry, um, our cash app is POR church now, um, dollar sign POR church now. Um, listen, Thank you guys uh, so much, Pastor Cliff. Thank you again for coming on the show. Um, Listen, guys, you've been tuned into the Path of Revelation podcast, and this is where the culture meets scripture.